Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today, I have as my guest, Lane Shakespeare. He leads the strategic philanthropy for Intuit and MailChimp. His team invests more than $4 million in small and medium-sized nonprofit organizations each year. His team also leads purpose marketing efforts for MailChimp, delivering projects that are seamlessly blending creativity, philanthropy, and brand purpose. Before building the corporate responsibility function at MailChimp, Lane was a nonprofit executive and oversaw MailChimp's sponsorship work as the company's brand marketing manager. He currently serves on the board of the Atlanta Beltline Partnership and can often be found toting his daughters around on his e-bike. Welcome to the Caring Economy Lane Shakespeare. Toby, thanks so much for having me. So I'm a, a fan and a customer of MailChimp, so we're going to talk about that today. Not my fandom, but your product, but more so the purpose behind it. But before we get there, Lane, I always like to ask my guests to give us a sort of three or four minute digest of their life. Where did you grow up? How were you raised? How did you find your path? Uh, Toby, I'm sitting here in Atlanta, Georgia, about four miles west of where I grew up uh, on the same street that I've been up and down a million times. Um, and I feel very lucky that uh, MailChimp just happened to be here and I happen to be born here as well. Um, I was raised in Decatur, Georgia, but I ended up at Kenyon College um, mm -hmm. or college in middle of nowhere in Ohio. Mm -hmm. I was a swimmer. Um, and so I was on a scrub on the swim team uh, and was not very um, academically ambitious, I would say. It was more about the rigor of the, uh, the swim program that attracted me. And uh, but after that, I never really had a vision for how my life was going to turn out or, or what I wanted to do. Uh, so I followed my girlfriend uh, to grad school uh, where I worked at the nearest hardware store, uh, moving the heavy stuff from the back to the front. And if you need keys cut or windows cut, I can do that for you too. I came back to Atlanta as a, for my summer job. I was a summer league swim coach uh, at a country club. And I learned about, a lot about customer experience there, not just with the kids, but more importantly with their parents. Uh, who are often uh, highfalutin and, and a bit demanding. Um, and this weird opportunity landed in my lap. Um, there was this 96-year-old historic house museum uh, that was uh, on the verge of closing. This was a place that was founded by Andrew Carnegie, Teddy Roosevelt, and the school children of, uh, of Atlanta Public Schools back in 1913. Uh, and it had ended up in hard times, and they needed someone young and naive and unemployed. And I was two of those things and about to be a third one. <laughs> I, additionally, I knew what an email address was. I knew what a website was. I could edit CSS if needed. Um, and so that kind of put me head and shoulders above uh, anyone else that, that, at, at my pay level at that time. Uh, so for the next five years, I learned how to run a historic house museum, something I had no uh, interest in before. I uh, knew nothing about. Uh, and it was a controversial place. It dealt with African-American folklore. Um, and but it's a white guy's home in an impoverished uh, part of Atlanta, uh, especially during the Great Recession. Mm. So you can imagine uh, that was a, a, a moment where it was high risk. I felt like every day that I showed up was going to be better than the last. Um, but at the same time, I had more money in my account, um, in my debit account. I didn't have a credit card then uh, than this organization had. So my job was to turn the place around. Um, and we did so between 2006, 2011. Uh, we rebranded, we redid all the programming. Uh, we got us on the on the internet. We, we were using Twitter. 
And then about 12 years ago at this time, I couldn't sleep for three nights in a row. And I realized that my body was telling me that the job that I've been asked to do was done. And so I could either leave now right away, or I could stay and make this my career for the next um, however many years. So I knew right then I wasn't a manager. I didn't really know how to manage anything. Um, I could only turn the place around. But like you, I was a MailChimp customer. Mm -hmm. And I love the brand and I didn't know why I had feelings about an email service provider, but I did and I wasn't alone. Uh, and I ended up at MailChimp shortly thereafter. Did you see a position and you applied or did a recruiter call you or how, how'd that come about? I was at a wedding in the middle of Tennessee with a friend. We were driving back. We decided to go tubing on a lazy Sunday on the way back home to Atlanta. So we go tubing down this river. We get back to the car. And we're in our swimsuits, swimsuits are dripping. And he's like, man, I see my keys and they are in your car. And I didn't have AAA. I had AAA. He didn't have AAA. So we had to wait for this guy uh, and AAA to come 45 minutes later. And we ran out of things to talk about. And finally, I was like, hey, man, how's, uh, how's your job at MailChimp? I love the product. Uh, he's like, it's great. Yada, yada, yada. He's like, how's your job? And I said, well, I'm about to leave mine and I want to do A, B, and C next. And he's like, well, that's funny. I just wrote that job description. Uh, so you should apply. And so that's how I arrived here. Uh, it wasn't a grand plan. It was uh, more of a happy accident. But it wasn't even obvious after a day of tubing that you even got there. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> really fascinating. I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning, which I, I grew up swimming, but not as, as competitively as you. But what's a scrub? I've never heard that expression. Oh, I was on a very good team. My roommate was on the Brazilian national team and I was lucky to be there. So I was more, uh, the, I, you know, I would be sitting on the bench if it were basketball. Um, but I love the experience and I love being a part of a winning team with a high level of excellence. Um, I thought I was going to be a little bit better than I ended up being, but the experience for doing that and the discipline required to do that for four years um, with all the other things going around in college was, uh, was one of the best things I could have done. And while you were at Canyon, which is a great liberal arts college, I'm from Ohio, but I wasn't raised there. But um, did you like what did you major and how did you reconcile your studies in university with where you are professionally or did you? I was an English major and I've always been given to writing. That's how I've expressed myself creatively. Uh, I get a lot more work done through writing uh, than I do in any other work, any other way. Um, and so English was Kenyan specialty as well. And I thought that that would fit in, uh, fit in nicely. Also, it was way far away from my parents, like a 10 hour drive. And I needed that kind of distance uh, as well to, to get anything done. Tell us a little bit about the whole MailChimp reality. For those who don't use it, what is it? And why is it so amazing? MailChimp is a marketing platform for small business. We started out as an email service provider, uh, and that's our bread and butter, uh, sending more than a billion emails every day. But also small businesses need more than just email, and MailChimp provides a lot more than just email. Uh, and so over the past 12 years since I've been here, we've grown uh, our suite to a full, fully uh, marketing automation platform for small business, democratizing all the tools that large companies have mm -hmm. uh, and bringing them to small businesses at an affordable price. And so there's a give back that's come from, I guess, from either the founders or the employees themselves and, and your core to that. Tell us a little bit about uh, corporate citizenship there at MailChimp. MailChimp's purpose is to empower the underdog. And we do that in a lot of ways. I mean, just by working in the small business space, we know that half of small businesses will fail within five years. 
the uh, the deck is stacked against uh, any entrepreneur uh, and one that's just starting out with a business that's uh, just getting online or even one that's growing quickly. Uh, there are, there's a lot of headwinds if you're a small a small entrepreneur. We wanted to reflect uh, through corporate citizenship what Mailchimp was all about and express Mailchimp's purpose. How do we empower the underdog? Um, being in Atlanta. There's a lot of wonderful things about being here, but one of them is that there's a, a lot of great examples. Um, corporate titans. Um, you think about Fortune 500 companies. I think we've got 18 of them here, and all of them are expected to participate civically. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we noticed, a lot of the larger organizations where there is corporate citizenship or CSR or CR, they tend to gravitate towards where the risk is, or they tend to express their globalness through corporate responsibility. And so if you're from here, you kind of feel like maybe you're left behind, like mm -hmm. who's in my corner? Mm -hmm. And we saw this as a strategic opportunity uh, for MailChimp to serve small, medium-sized organizations that are here locally. Mm -hmm. um, these are generally too risky uh, for larger organizations to invest in, but they are in, in fact our customers. Um, and also we wanted to make sure that they had the best customer experience from MailChimp as well. Uh, so we decided to invest in unrestricted giving. Uh, that means we don't tell um, the small uh, nonprofit organizations that we support how to spend the money. Uh, we believe that they know how to run their organization best. Uh, and so we've invested in unrestricted giving as well. And they're all not-for-profit organizations. At MailChimp, we haven't been uh, so stringent upon uh, you know, the IRS designation. Uh, and in fact, there's a lot of exciting activity happening in the social entrepreneurship space Absolutely. over the past two decades. Uh, legacy nonprofits, new nonprofits, and even small businesses that are, are purpose-driven and mission-driven. Mm -hmm. All of those organizations are, are worthy in our eyes. All of them are customers. And uh, we tend to gravitate to excellence and velocity. Which is great because you're focused on the impact ultimately, not you know which box it checks. Can you give us a couple examples of maybe some of your beneficiaries or those you've been working with? This morning, I heard from the Atlanta Music Project. They were performing at the uh, State of the City uh, by the mayor's office, mm -hmm. and they were amazing. And I remember when we first invested in them 10 years ago, uh, they were a small organization. Their budget had you know $300,000. And now I've seen them being invested in by some of the largest philanthropists uh, in the country, uh, and also the, the the product that they have, uh, teaching children how to sing and how to play classical instruments, um, has a, you know, increased immeasurably. Uh, so the performance I saw this morning was really incredible. Uh, and watching organizations like that grow, uh, when we are one of their first funders, into something that is really sophisticated and influential and impactful for these children across the city um, is really gratifying. And I think that's kind of the story of who MailChimp has invested in. We've watched a lot of organizations being their very first funder. Um, I think about ones like Living Walls, which puts up uh, murals from international artists all around Atlanta. Um, you know, I, we su supported their Kickstarter out of the blue. Uh, I don't think they had any funders before that. And now they've been around for 10 years and put uh, done some of the most exciting dynamic work uh, that our city has seen. And beyond the funding, are you also engaging your employees in volunteerism or are you providing in-kind services with MailChimp technology to help these organizations or is it really sort of about check writing? You know, MailChimp has always been uh, about uh, supporting the underdog. And one of the most influential decisions they made uh, was to go with a freemium model back in 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, so they offered, I believe at first, 500 users or less on your account, and you get to use the product for free. Mm 
that makes my job a lot easier because the product donation is already built into what MailChimp already is. So whether whether you are here in Atlanta, whether you're on the other side of the world, uh, if you're testing out the product or if you're just getting started with your business, you can use MailChimp for free. Um, and so we've always thought that that gave us a competitive advantage because we don't need to think about uh, product donation from our small, small team. Mm -hmm. uh, volunteerism is, is really critical uh, for MailChimp. We're a young company. Uh, we have employees who demand corporate citizenship. They want us to be active in the community uh, and they have a lot of unchanneled energy uh, without a team like us. Uh, and so our job has been to channel that energy as well. Um, one example I can think of is Back in 2017, we started MailChimp Community College, which was a leadership program developed around the idea of equity. And, you know, when you talk to uh, companies in California um, who are, you know, part of the tech ecosystem, equity means one thing. But if you go to the other side of the uh, town uh, and you mention the word equity, it means something totally different. Yeah. It means the intersection of justice and equality in the community which is very different than the corporate context. And we wanted as MailChimp to associate um, our company with the community version of equity. So we built this leadership program uh, where our employees learn from 45 different nonprofit leaders, city council people, um, community advocates about mm -hmm. the issues on the ground uh, that are really important, whether it's affordable housing, um, criminal justice, homelessness, uh, the arts, you name it all through the lens of equity. And then we give those employees a $200,000 budget to donate out to the organizations that are doing the most impactful work. That sounds amazing. So you convene, you use your convening power to bring in these experts, these voices, and is it delivered through uh, online seminars? Is it old school brick and mortar meetings or how's the delivery of that? Well, the delivery was old school brick and mortar. We wanted to keep it, keep it real for people. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure that they could know exactly who in the community was quietly doing uh, this really important work that made their lives uh, possible, frankly. Um, and then COVID kind of uh, put, it put a damp on, the, on that. Uh, and volunteerism really uh, just fell off the map for a lot of organizations at that point. But now it's coming back, I would imagine, right? As we climb out of the COVID pandemic. Somehow in 2023, now everyone's ready again uh, to volunteer. And so we're seeing a lot of demand, at, but we're also a totally different company than we were going into COVID. So we're, we're learning how to adapt uh, and meet the audience where they're at. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, today on The Caring Economy, we have Lane Shakespeare with us. He's the Senior Director of Corporate Citizenship for MailChimp. Lane, you'd mentioned um, a moment ago about customers being perhaps on the other side of the country, other side of the world. So you're global in your operations, it sounds like. MailChimp has been global since day one. Um, MailChimp has had product market fit since day one. Uh, and I think I think you'll get a lot of different answers about why. Uh, but I know that MailChimp has always, always been committed to clear copy and great design. And I think that users uh, who maybe English is not their first language, uh, or maybe they're uh, you know from an English-speaking country in Europe or Australia or New Zealand, uh, they have a... a higher sense of expectation of what software should be uh, than I think many Americans do, um, who are often using software that uh, isn't designed for them, but is designed to get the deal done. Um, MailChimp is designed for people. Uh, and for that reason, I think that MailChimp has been successful internationally uh, because the folks who are using the product uh, really feel welcomed and they feel like they know how to use it uh, no matter where they're coming from. Yeah, I would agree as a early as a, a recent user. 
And then, of course, there's AI. So a lot of these things are going to be sort of addressed by technology anyway. Um, can you say a little bit about um, the employees there? Are they demographically diverse in terms of not just, say, race, gender, but um, age or other sort of measures? Absolutely. MailChimp is a very diverse company. Um, I, I think being placed in the middle of Atlanta, the heart of Atlanta, is a great place for any technology company to be. Uh, and they benefit from not just a diverse populace here, um, but also a diverse economy. So when you think of those 18 Fortune 500 companies, they're all over uh, the map, categorically speaking. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of um, you know new graduates from great universities here, like uh, Georgia Tech or Clayton State or Emory or Spellman or Morehouse, any number of those organizations. But you also have a lot of seasoned veterans uh, who've been around Fortune 500 companies. They've been around startups um, and they all kind of uh, help make MailChimp what MailChimp. I think the defining kind of through line of all these folks is they appreciate our creative perspective and they're all driven to empower the underdog. Um, so it's amazing to have a purpose uh, that, that unifies folks that want to build for small business. Yeah, it, it is a product, in my experience, it is human-centric. It's not, you don't have to be a coder or a tech person to to start to use the tools. Um, one of the things I was wondering about with international is, you know, the privacy issues are different or laws are different from one country to the next. And you do a pretty good job from what I've observed of being clear with the, the subscriber. Are you, are these people opted in? Are they subscribers? Are they not? But how does that work globally? And I know that's not necessarily your remit, but if there's anything you can share with us, I think it's really interesting to see how, you know, that integrity of your product to respect the privacy of individuals globally is such that you you have to be bankable and you are, but that can't be an easy thing when you go to certain parts of the world. <laughs> uh, Toby, that's my, my experience as well. I mean, I think you follow uh, not what the letter of the law says in the United States currently, uh, but you look to who is the most progressive in this space, um, where are our customers, uh, many of them are in Europe, um, and you're responsive to their needs, not just uh, the doing the least you can. Uh, MailChimp has always had a great reputation in terms of sending, uh, which is a very specific uh, kind of metric that's defined by the CAN-SPAM Act. Um, and I think that that's something that has attracted a lot of our customers through the years because they know that their email is going to be delivered with MailChimp. Yeah, and you always have at the bottom the option to opt out. So I think that that's really, and again, it's very clear, very crisp. And uh, it's not, with MailChimp, I've never felt like I'm going into some sort of echo chamber of online FAQs and help. You can kind of get what you need pretty quickly. Um, well, that's kind of the magic of the product because it, it, it's really, it seems like it should be simple and it's really difficult to do to make it easy. And we have a whole compliance team uh, that has been, you know, working overtime for many, many years to make sure it's really easy for our customers. And then you also have been, you've been successful. You've been discovered and, and merged with Intuit, right? Which is a great brand unto itself. So you've got a couple hats you're wearing now, I guess, right? Yeah, it's been a really exciting 15 months. Uh, we were acquired by Intuit in November of 21. And uh, when I think of brands that really understand small business, there aren't a lot that come to mind because when we think about how broad that category is, it's the breadth of the economy, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, MailChimp has been uh, lucky enough to be able to address that with with grace over the years. And I think Intuit is, is another one that has really 
has a special relationship with small businesses around the world. Uh, and so in terms of acquisitions, these things are always going to be rocky. They're always going to be difficult, but I would rather have no other company acquire us than Intuit did. Flagship brands are QuickBooks, MailChimp, TurboTax, and Credit Karma. Yeah. And it, you know, instinctively you see that, you see it and it makes sense, right? It's, you're not a, you're a good suit, all of you all around, it seems to me. So kudos to you all. Um, so tell me a little bit about your favorite, some examples of your favorite customers. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, those with the largest number of email accounts, but maybe it is, but are there some that you find particularly illustrative of MailChimp and how it does really benefit the underdog? Any in your your time there that really pop? I mean, in terms of customers, luckily, <laughs> they keep me far away from the product, which is uh, where I belong. But I will say that we have work, we get to work with amazing customers all over the world. I think about our work with the CDC Foundation, uh, which works with really small countries and getting out their health bulletin during a time of COVID. So if you think about the smallest countries around the world, they're relying on products like MailChimp and they're relying on the CDC Foundation to help connect them to MailChimp um, to get the word out. So I, I think that, you know, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of amazing customers that do really creative work. There's also a lot of, you know, it's for everyone between, you know, the a Fortune 500 who's doing an internal email, uh, the PTA uh, who's just figuring out how to send email. Uh, a country like Rwanda, which uh, needs an uh, email service provider as well, uh, but then also really building for the small businesses um, right here in the United States and really all over the world uh, that are getting that are hoping to aspire to the dream. It's amazing how the technology is helping through crises like COVID. I, I, the CDC part is particularly fascinating to me. And then uh, when you think about the next five years or so, are you are you going to try and do anything differently or just going to do more of the same, both of which are valid ways forward. But I would imagine that the world is your oyster right now. The deal between Intuit and MailChimp by pairing QuickBooks and MailChimp together is really at, at first unexpected and really beautiful for small business. Um, the idea is that you run your business with QuickBooks and you grow it with MailChimp then you share the data on the back end uh, and you use all the AI capabilities that Intuit provides for all their products. Um, I think it's something really special for small businesses that they haven't really seen before. So there is a lot of great work to do. Um, it's very aspirational. We have very high hopes. Um, in terms of our corporate citizenship work, we released our biggest project um, ever this past December. It's called mm -hmm. Give Where You Live. Uh, one thing we noticed uh, for our little um place-based giving strategy. So we primarily give in Atlanta uh, mm -hmm. to small local uh, local organizations that are smaller is that there is no um, farm to table movement for local organizations. There is no um, uh, shop local for nonprofit organizations. Mm. Um, and But all these organizations are already using MailChimp and MailChimp's corporate citizenship is already investing in these organizations locally. So how can we grow um, our product? Uh, how can we grow our, um, our customer base? How can we grow our community base that's using MailChimp and help them uh, earn more money um, and help them grow more visibility and help them compete against larger brands? Mm -hmm. um, and our answer to that is give where you live. Uh, we think it's something that resonates with uh, small businesses around the world. I mean, if you've been to a, a restaurant before, you've probably seen uh, them sponsor uh, you know, the local Little League team, for Absolutely. instance. Yeah, you know, you've probably been asked to round up 
92 cents for children's health care today when you stick your card in the reader. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all very disorganized and it's uh, all very ad hoc and you kind of you don't necessarily feel accosted, but it sort of feels random. Uh, what if there were a unified campaign um, where small businesses could demonstrate their community commitment and share in MailChimp's purpose and empowering the underdog? That's what Give Where You Live is. So uh, when we launched this program in December, we featured 60 different nonprofit organizations in six different cities across the United States. Mm -hmm. And the goal was to help them raise more money in a very uh, competitive environment. Uh, and I'm pleased to report they were able to increase the revenue by 30 percent um, between giving to uh, giving Tuesday and the end of the year last year. Uh, so we think we're onto something here and there's plenty of room to grow uh, this as an idea uh, because it feels like it could really resonate, uh, not just with the nonprofits we're supporting, but the small businesses who uh, want to have their own corporate citizenship as well. Absolutely. And then I'm thinking about your suite of of. Um corporate partners now and TurboTax. I mean, there's also a, you know, there's a tax deductibility aspect to businesses giving back. So a lot of that knowledge would not be available or so obvious to certain businesses. So it just, again, feels like a perfect complement, all those different brands working together. Absolutely. And what the Intuit acquisition has allowed us to do is to dream a lot bigger than we could have done before. I mean, we were a privately held company before, um, which, you know, each of those has its own quirks. Uh, and now working for Intuit, uh, they dream big. And, you know, when we launched Give Where You Live, we were really happy with our little program. And they said, well, are you working with the NFL on this? And I said, are you kidding me? How would we even begin to think about that? Uh, and so they made some, some suggestions, made some connections and connected with us with an NFL player in each of the six cities we were supporting to get behind this campaign. And so I think that really demonstrates the power of MailChimp and Intuit and QuickBooks and all the flagship brands together um, because they're not going to be uh, satisfied with our little projects uh, we, as we have been before. They want to go big and we're happy to go along with them. I love that. You know, I'm reminded here in New York of a um, CBS News, the local network, CBS2 is doing a, a new campaign now and is uh, it's called In Your Corner, if, On Your Corner, In Your Corner. Basically, their message is that we grew up here, we are from here, the, the talent on camera. And that we advocate for you. And I think that hyper-local uh, can't be, the importance of the hyper-local can't be understated, particularly coming out of COVID. I think people were by were forced really to be local. You know, we weren't getting on plans going places and the needs were local. So I think that uh, you're onto something that can really become uh, more than a ripple effect. So I think that's very exciting. I want, uh, Lane, just for you to have the last word, our pearls of wisdom here in your your great career experience, your education, your upbringing. Is, are there any lessons learned that you would like to share, perhaps not just with the younger people who are just starting out in their careers, but maybe even those who've been sort of a bit thrown off or disrupted mid-career and are questioning how to find a, a purpose-driven career or make a difference? That's a great question, Toby. I, uh, I usually hesitate from giving advice or lessons learned because my last name is Shakespeare. I know. It's every, day my, <laughs> every day in my life, this is something that I've talked about, and it's been a, a privilege and a competitive advantage. You know, whether you are a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or whether you're taking my credit card at the pharmacy, uh, folks just want to talk about that kind of thing. And it, it opens up conversations and opportunities that um, I never would have had otherwise. So uh, when I think about it, and we do have a lot of younger folks who uh, approach us and say, you know, we want to work 
and corporate responsibility. It seems great. We love doing good and we also love making money. So how do we combine those two things? And typically what I say is, you know, it, it's important to have not just work-life balance, but work-life alignment. Mm -hmm. um, and then additionally, make sure that your work-life alignment is interesting and that you are interested. Uh, it can't just be about business. It's got to be what you observe in the world around you. Um, and it's got to be, you know, you've got to be open to opportunity as well, even if it uh, even if it doesn't seem linear uh, to you. And even if it seems perhaps a little off the beaten path, um, that is what is going to be differentiating. You know, MailChimp, everything is it's all about differentiation. And I think for people's careers as well, uh, if you're doing the same thing as everyone else, there's no way to uh, to get ahead, really. Yes, and and well said, and also in the Mailchimp way, it has a little bit of pizzazz or a little bit of I don't know spunk in a way that is not. It's definitely not off the shelf. That's right. So Lane Shakespeare, the great last name, come back. We want to hear how the 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 merge goes, and uh, wishing you great success as you continue to grow there. Toby, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at T Usnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing the caring economy with your friends and colleagues.